This is the Pirate Radio Podcast. Hey, this is Shirley Rhodes in the Pirate Radio Studios. On this episode of the podcast, Clip Rock and Jonathan Ellerby had a chance to talk to ECU Athletics Director John Gilbert about the state of ECU football and the state of ECU athletics. The last time we spoke with you after the football season and you had a press conference and it was a bit gloom and doom and uh, not a lot of positive to talk about. Since then, a lot of positive momentum and and a lot of that coming in the form of NIL with with Team Boneyard and a lot of good news coming uh, from from there. But the hiring of John David Baker as an offensive coordinator, a couple other spots on the staff, bringing in a quarterback, Caden Hauser, and you have National Signing Day today. A game hasn't been played, but it does feel like things are a lot more positive today than they were the last time we spoke with you. I'm sure you're feeling some of that as well. Well, well, I think anytime, like you, you look, uh, you know, big picture as a leader, uh, you go through some years like what we went through, and uh, certainly disappointing. You know, you never want to go through those ever again. Now, just the law of averages say, hey, at some point in the future, that 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 type of year could happen again. But but when you're going through it, I, I think it's, you know. I'm I'm very thoughtful on, you know, what I do, what I say, how I act. And, you know, people sometimes confuse me for being vanilla when, you know, I'm just being very methodical about everything. And and I think when you go through seasons like we did, you know change has to come. And and I think uh, those conversations with Coach Houston over, you know, the length of the football season, you know, Kudos to him. He and I have, you know, we're talked about a plan to to get things rectified, and and I'm happy for him and and all the pirates that, you know, that pant that plan is starting to to work itself out. The old saying is, you grow more through adversity than you do during good times. Uh, what do you feel like? Uh, and you guys have been in growth mode and making a lot of changes. What what do you feel like you learned from from this season that that can make changes to prevent seasons like this going forward? Well, I, I think first and foremost, the, um, there, I learned a lot. Uh, some things I'd talk about, some things I'd prefer just to keep to myself. I, I think the biggest thing is uh, understanding, you know, where we were, uh, the changes that that needed to happen, and, and all the conversations that needed to be have. You know, making sure that you're having those types of conversations, like you, you know, when Coach Houston and I talked, nothing was taken off the table about you know looking at literally everything that we were doing and what can we do, you know, to get ourselves in in the right position. And I, so, I, I think having you know having those conversations and then being able to make decisions to move forward, um, you know. We all make uh, decisions that you second guess, but you know once um, once you figure out, hey, this is the path we need to go, being able to make that decision and move forward in a positive light, and and I feel like we've done that. Do you feel like you've you've pinpointed what the problems were, and that that those have been addressed right now as we sit here today, and that that, that or is there still more things to to change and address? Well, I, I think look when, when you come off of a season uh, that we had. You know, everybody thinks that, you know, it's one or two big things. And, you know, I really do look back at the season and I could go back almost game by game. 
you know, I felt all along that we were really close uh, on a lot of things. You know, you, you think about the SMU game with seven minutes to go, what the score of the game was. I think about the Marshall game. I think about the Tulane game. You know, um, you know, we were really close in a lot of ways. And then also, like, when, when you see the culture every day that we have in the locker room, I, I don't, I'm not sure our players get enough credit uh, for the way they competed every week, you know, having only two wins on the year. It, it really is a testament to the type of players we have in our program. And, man, I just really salute them because I've been around programs where you have a bad year like that and everybody turns on everybody and it becomes very toxic. And th- that really was not the case. And, and I really give our our, our players and obviously Coach Houston the credit uh, and our staff for for maintaining that culture. That that is not an easy thing to do. And you know, the, we're all in public positions. Uh, you know, so we take a lot of public criticism, and it, it is uh, to be able to manage that criticism because you know, look, I'm an adult. I can handle it. I'm in a public. Uh, Position it's to be expected with the position that I'm in, but but when you're 18 to 22 years old and you know people are telling you you know you didn't do this well and you didn't do that, it, it it's tough for them to to manage and man kudos to them for how they managed it like a professional despite you know being being young men 18 to 22 years old and, and that gave me a lot of encouragement and a lot of hope for what the future holds. John Gilbert joining us. Ellerby, um, I'm going to stick to the football topics while sure. we're on the subject. And already seen a question in the chat about it, John, and future schedules. Always a question. I asked you about it uh, last time we spoke at the press conference. But um, a couple of changes to that schedule, namely the Boise State series. Can you tell us why uh, we won't be seeing Boise State here or going there? Yeah, th- th- there there are some scheduling changes coming. So we're, we're still kind of working through that contractually. Uh, hopefully to have something out, you know, relatively soon. Uh, talk to the Boise State uh, athletic director, and the the way the series worked out, you, you know, it, it was a long way away. Uh, it was another, uh, let's call it non-autonomy school, uh, and, and I felt like based on where the other games were, that playing a game that was you know, more regional in nature made more sense. And so uh, we mutually agreed to, to kind of move that one uh, on. It, it, it's kind of, you know, some things I can control on scheduling, some things I have very little control of, like this coming year. Uh, again, BYU was supposed to be on the home schedule for this coming year. So we would have had uh, Norfolk State at Old Dominion, uh, Appalachian at home and BYU at home, and, and if I said that's our schedule, most Pirate fans would go, well, "That's pretty good home schedule. Like we're, we're good with that." And so, what happened when BYU accepted the, um, you, you know, the the invitation to join the Big Twelve? There was a clause in that contract that said if they could move that game, um, we we would. Um, you know, we can move the game without penalty. And so we pretty much had to move the game. It wasn't a choice, uh, which left us in the scheduling world. 
like if I need a game two years from now, that that literally in the scheduling world is tomorrow. Like it's that fast because people schedule so far in advance, and um, you know our only options at the time were like you, you know New, New Mexico, Utah State, and Liberty, and, and so. Uh, we had to go on the road for the game because we didn't need an eighth, you know, seven or eighth home right. game. So we had to go on the road for that one. And uh, Liberty made the most sense. Now, I know Liberty is not uh, maybe necessarily the, 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 the opponent that everybody uh, wanted, but certainly they're going to the Fiesta Bowl this year. Uh, and and uh, they're going to be a worthy opponent when when we go there. How close are you to announcing more scheduling news? Is, is it is it, is everything kind of on pause right now, or is, uh, no, is there anything a, in, uh, like intimate that may be coming down the pipes here soon? Or you're welcome to tell us whatever you're working on. Uh, right now. J- j- just depends on uh, when the contracts come in. So, okay. So I, I don't like announce anything before the the contract sign and, and both parties are ready, but you know, we're trying to, to tweak it some, uh, and, and I think there's a balance in scheduling. Certainly you want to play good opponents. Uh, the following year in 25, I can't remember all of our opponents there. Um, yeah. At NC state to open the game. 25 at NC state, uh, Campbell at home. We're, we're about to announce another game on the road. Uh, and then BYU at home. So, like, two of the four right now that we know at NC State and BYU at home will we'll probably be an underdog, you, you know, for those games. And with, so, with the, the game you're about to announce, is that is that like a perhaps maybe a payday game where it's like at like a Michigan or Florida like we've done before, or is it like more of a home and home series? No, no typically, like, I, I'm not in favor of playing. You know, I'm looking at BYU as a power five. We're paying two power five opponents in one year. That's probably enough for us. Okay. And you got to find the balance. Like, you play four non conference games. You know, if if you score, if you if you schedule three of them, that you're an underdog in, and you come out of it one and three, uh, that tough 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 row on your conference right there. Well, that that's on you as yes. a, as an athletic director. You put your team at a position to, you know, be an underdog in three games. You know, I, I want to be more balanced in our schedule. Certainly, want to play those games. Want to continue scheduling them. Uh, but but also want to do what makes sense because I, I do think it is uh, important to play good games, uh, but I also don't want to overload of good games. So you you're, you got everything in mind when you're making these schedules. You want to make them attractive for the fans and, and things like that. But how much are you thinking about the new playoff format when you make these schedules and trying to have that best record and be that champion that can go to the playoff? Yeah, well, certainly you want to you want to be thinking about that because the better off that you can put your team in position, you know, there's going to be 12 spots and one of them will go to a non-autonomy school. And, and so, um, you know, we have a really good shot in the future there's a pathway for ecu to get in the playoff and so um you know just want to make sure that we're scheduling in a in in a place where um you you know we can be competitive while we're talking about this west virginia game 2026 where is that from is that dating Uh, back that is a very old contract It, it is um 
it, it's a contract I believe from the Terry Holland era. Wow. Okay. So, so um, do you think that game gets played? I would hope that the game gets played, yeah. but but certainly, you, you know, if if the the only way the game is not played is if West Virginia were to choose not to play the game. Right. Looking ahead to twenty twenty four, you you know your schedule. Uh, you you guys and Mike Houston have been working hard the last few weeks. As I said, uh, the press conference today, East Carolina has been winning the internet, turning the the momentum around on East Carolina football. Now you got to take that momentum of the newness of the coaches, the the players, the transfer portal, all this other stuff, and now you got to turn that into season ticket sales. Um, I believe last year your goal was to get to 15,000 season tickets. Yeah. Did you get to that goal, and what's your goal going to be next year, and uh, and when do you start implementing that plan? Well, I, I think, n- number one, our financial, you know, the financial foundation of our department starts with uh, Pirate Club Annual Fund and uh, football season tickets. They really do go hand in hand with one another. I, I do want to stay in that 15,000 range. Uh, obviously, we'll have an app at home. We'll kind of be, a, a, I would think, a well-attended um, you know, game in the non-conference, but but I think staying in that fifteen thousand range would be a really solid, uh, you know, solid number. And, and look, that that number alone, like every non-autonomy school, would uh, they would be thrilled to have that number. So uh, we, we've got a, a passionate fan base that I'm very appreciative of, and and uh, hope to get to that number uh, again next year. Are there any kind of new models or season ticket packages or things of, of, of people trying to get creative to get get fans back to games? Because it's not unique here at East Carolina, but it seems like you know people are looking for experiences when they go to football games, and it's beyond the experiences that well, I mean, not just for people in the tower or in the suites or whatever. It's people are looking for experiences whether they're in section three or or eighteen or whatever is is there a different model or ideas that you're looking at i mean because the upper deck's a big a big piece to that too of how how do you get more people coming to games well well, one uh, i think that it's important that you have a broad-based experience i think our premium experiences is as good as it gets you know the the tower sold out uh the you know williams clark club where you know, at at near capacity. You know, we're going to continue to try to uh, evolve William Clark's club, uh, William Clark Club, to make it better. Uh, I, I do think outside in in the general seating, you know, upper deck, we we've given some ticket uh, price breaks. We've also did the twelve month payment plan where people can pay over time, um, and. You know, certainly we've got a great tailgating experience, making sure parking concessions and all those things are 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 good. And I felt like uh, the new concessions partner that we had this year was much better. You, you know, you have glitches from time to time, but uh, I, I felt like that experience was much, much better uh, going with the sports division uh, of Aramark. And it's important, you know, everybody wants to, to know what the deal is. And it's difficult because we could say, hey, everybody just come for free. We don't need to charge. But but that's also, you know, it is reflective. Like we've got to be able to fund our program, you know, competitive with our peers, you know, in order to be successful. You uh, had the press conference a few weeks ago. That I think that clip talked about at the very beginning and uh, things were, were more doom and gloom then. Things are a lot more optimistic then. But even then, and I'm sure even now today, how much more confidence do you feel that this East Carolina football team is going to be competing for, for bowl games and, and the American Championship in 2024? 
Well, well I feel good about where, where we are right now today. I mean, uh, certainly the, the returners that, that are coming back, I feel really good uh, about who they are and, and uh, the type of people they are in our program. And then obviously excited about what the coaching staff has been able to attract in the portal. And, and you know, that's going to happen again in February and then uh, again in late spring. So uh, I think it's a, a evolving process. But, but I like where we are to start. Uh, I'm very encouraged. John, really enjoyed the South Carolina game here at home, and uh, it was a fun home crowd. My daughter, who is not into sports at all, doesn't really care about it at all. That's the most engaged she's ever been in a game, so uh, that made me excited. But um, would love to, to see some more home-and-homes like that uh, on the schedule. How about basketball scheduling? And that is more – is that AD? Is that coach? Is that a combination of both? How does that work? Uh, re- really more outside of football, you know, the coach schedule uh, most of their games and obviously it it differs each program to program and and obviously we want to have a competitive schedule and have you know good opponents and uh, obviously Kim McNeil is doing that with with playing the number one team in the country in a home and home and you know, if you look at Coach Schwartz, we played two SEC teams back to back. I'm not sure that's ever been done here. And, uh, you know, kudos to him for scheduling games like that. Um, you know, we, we want to play in, in games like that and we want to win games like that. And uh, I'm, I'm glad we scheduled uh, those. Uh, you know, it, it makes a difference. How is uh, how are you feeling about East Carolina basketball with Coach Schwartz? As they 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 got a couple more non conference games here to finish up December, and then turn the page to conference in in January, and they open up with a couple of tough ones. I mean, how do you feel how this team is going to be able to go through the rigor of January and February, and and maybe continue their season on further in March? Yeah, well, I I feel good about where we are. Obviously, we had some you know early season hiccups, and and th- that's not surprising i mean if you look across the country uh it it happens and uh i I feel good about where we are feel good about coach schwartz and his staff and you know obviously the first game in our conference is uh is a tough one we open up on the road at fau Uh, but but i i think this team can be extremely competitive in our league uh, and, and I'm looking forward to, to watching us play the rest of the year. Uh, Cam Hayes, finally. You, do you expect him to kind of be here for the hall now, I guess? Yeah, he'll, he'll, uh, Cam will play the rest of the year based on the latest ruling, and we'll, we'll see how that uh, you know national ruling plays out uh, with – um, you know, with the NCA, but really happy for Cam for him to finally get back on on the uh, on the floor. He he is a fine young man, and and uh, you, you know will be a great addition to the team. And just glad he can can get on the floor now. NIL, three letters that have changed college athletics forever and uh, certainly a big part of your life. Uh, how much time are you spending on those three letters and uh, helping that form and, and, and help help your athletic department? What, what is your role right now when it comes to NIL? Well, I, I think the, you know, certainly I'm, I'm uh, thankful for Team Boneyard that, that they've organized and structured and, and uh, you know, are actively creating uh, NIL opportunities for our student-athletes. And, and, 
I would say Team Boneyard uh, takes the the bulk of that, you know, out driving NIL. But we also have, you know, quite a few individuals and businesses in town that are doing uh, NIL deals directly uh, with student athlete. And really, either one works. Um, but uh, fortunate to have it. Really, my role is to continue to advocate for it and talk. You know, to our fan base, I get asked multiple times at athletic events, you know, how important is it? And, you know, it, it is important uh, that we have those if we want to compete at a high level. And so just advocating on behalf of NIL is really all I'm doing. You, you know, I'm not allowed to to structure particular deals where, hey, can you can you do an NIL deal for this student athlete? You know, my involvement is is a very high level in that regard. Is there is there like a number that that you you know of with Team Boneyard that hey, look for East Carolina to be relevant, competitive, and in the top of of who we compete with, East Carolina needs to have this in NIL every year. As much as we can get. As much as you can get. I yeah, mean, because it, it, it's kind of like asking a car salesman how how many cars do you want to sell a month, and they typically would say i want to sell all of them right so so when it comes to nil uh as, as much as we can get uh the the more that we can get the more competitive we can be in the market well do you know what the other schools in the american have i mean other than rumors and hearsay i mean yeah. you don't have to write it down or anything right so. now a, a lot of it is you know, there, there are a lot of lies being told, and, and you, you have to think of it this way. Um, if I said, hey, I, I want you to uh, tell me, what, what do you all bring in in advertising revenue? What What is that number? I could tell you to the and, penny if I wanted to, yeah, but I don't have to. <laughs> yeah, right. But, but then I go to the next radio station in town and go, tell me that number. We want to compare numbers. And w- what happens is coaches are no different. C- coach will go... Um, yeah, we 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 are we got a lot of nil money uh, to another coach because they don't want that coach looking at their roster thinking, hey, let's go look at School X's roster. I know they don't have a whole lot of nil. We could go buy one of their players, and so I, I think that there there's a lot of exaggeration going on across the country uh, about what NIL is and, and how much and all those things. From a, you know, talking about what the best way for East Carolina to do NIL, I, I think it's it's going to be hard for East Carolina to go out and just buy players, in my opinion. Maybe is it better to build an NIL fund that can, that can pay players X number per dollars per semester or whatever that, that can make it where it's like, hey, look, here's here's basically our salary cap of what we have. Or, or is it possible that, hey, look, and maybe East Carolina just did it when they signed maybe some of these players in football. Or is it possible, hey, look, this player is going to cost you $100,000 to come here. Is, is it a mix of both or is it what, what's what's the best formula for college athletics for particularly East Carolina moving forward of of in this NIL era? Well, it, it is largely unregulated. Uh, I mean, it's based on each state's law. So what North Carolina, the schools in North Carolina are doing are completely different than the state of Tennessee. Um, so c- completely different. Um, and, you know, we, we've got to be competitive in our in our market relative to non-autonomy schools. So, you, you know, we're, we're not looking to compete in NIL with the Ohio states of the world. Sure. And so as long as we're competitive in our market, uh, then I think we have 
we have that. But but I'd also turn it on you if if money's no object and you, you know we can get as much as we want and we could go buy whoever you think the best basketball player in the country is, male or female. If we did that, obviously it would make an immediate impact on our teams, and so. Um, you know that's really what's going on at at a higher level, not not necessarily at ECU, but it clearly is trickle down. You know the good players that we're able to attract. You know other schools are offering them as well. This isn't a, you know I'm I'm coming to ECU because I like uh, the residence hall and the weight sure. room. I mean, it really I, comes uh, down. It's how much money am I getting here? or How much money am I getting there? I, I don't think it's simply that because the big thing that we're offering uh, is an opportunity to play like, you know, players that are coming down from bigger levels. The, the, the appeal to them to ECU is I'm going to come in and get a lot of film and a lot of reps like I'm coming to play and, and you hear that a lot when, when you're recruiting you, you know I, I want to get on the field I, I don't I want to be on the field every play the uh, NIL is that do you believe help driving the potential of a split you hear a lot a lot of that in talking college athletics now that hey look the, the Ohio states that you just mentioned and the, the Alabamas and the and the other schools that eventually it's gonna you heard chip Kelly with his viral rant about 64 here 64 there is is that coming in college athletics I, I think it is eventually coming uh, because the money is so big and different at that level. Now, I, I still think we're going to be able to play them. They're not going to they're not going to go away from from playing us, but I think it will happen. It, the, you know, the letter that went out, it, it is fraught with a thousand issues. And, and so I think it's just a starting point. Uh, I, I don't think it's something that's going to happen tomorrow. L- look, I I'm excited about East Carolina and and the um, the the opportunity we provide. We provide a great student athlete experience. I mean, a, a really good one. Our our student athletes that come here, they really like it here. They love the town. They love the school. They love the the social experience. Uh, and then obviously they love the the whole competitive uh, side of, of what we offer. We're, we're going to continue to invest to make that as good as it can be. And w- there's still going to be a place in the world for East Carolina and, and the East Carolinas of the world. Um, I, I feel good about that. And, and uh, we just need to continue to invest in our teams, uh, be competitive on the field, and, and we're, we're going to have a, a really good spot for us. If if there is a split, would it be difficult for East Carolina to find themselves in the upper echelon, or is that doable? I, I think though, like what what people don't understand, like when when and I talked to a high level college administrator today, and and we were they they were at a place that is extremely well resourced. And, and we were talking about this letter that the president put out. What, what he put out is only the top 1% in college athletics can, can afford to do. So let's say there are 330 Division I programs. You're, you're talking about the top 33%, I mean, top 33, let's call it 40 schools. 
so it, if I'm not proposing what he put on the letter is going to happen, I, I'm just saying it's a starting point, but only the most, most, most resource schools can afford to do it. So all the big schools that, that you're thinking of, you know, that are middle to bottom in their conference, they can't afford to do that. And, and so I, I think what they're talking about, again, from the letter is they're looking for a true revenue split w- with that top 1%. And so there's a lot to go with it. I'm not worked up about it because I think it's it's a ways off. I'm, I'm more interested in continuing to grow, build ECU, make it as competitive as we can make it. One more question on that. My nightmare as a sports fan is they take away my, my March Madness, my Thursday, Friday NCAA tournament. You know, if they do have this split off, is this going to be like a football thing? Do, you, do we keep March Madness the way it is, John? Yeah, I, I think we do. I, I mean, everybody loves when St. Peter's plays Kentucky. Exactly. And I don't, I don't think you'll see that going away because that that really is the appeal of of the tournament and, and why so many people are are. Uh, you know, tuning in, yeah. and, and every year we get a team. You know, two years ago it was St. Peter's, last year it was Florida Atlantic. Um, it, it, it is the fabric of the March uh, tournament. We got a question. I've seen this question asked a lot uh, from Kevin in the chat. John, uh, can we build a less luxurious practice facility with what with what has been raised instead of the full amount and waiting to build? I've seen that question a lot. Do you have an answer for that? Yeah, a cu- couple things. Um, we, we are ballpark right now. I think the building's going to be around $25 million. We're not trying. I'm comparing this to a car. Uh, we're we're not trying to build a Mercedes Benz. We're we're trying to buy, build a a nice Toyota Camry, Honda Accord, like something that's ultra functional, uh, not over the top expensive. You know, r- really to me, some non negotiables that I I have in the indoor building, and I'm I'm hopeful that we can come through on it. Is I think it needs to be heated and cooled. Uh, I think the university will use it for so many other functions outside of one of our many athletic teams practicing in it. I could see a lot of functions in it. So I do think, obviously, in the hot months, you got to have AC so we could hold social types of events in it. Same thing in the winter. Uh, But but we're not building this super tricked-out building. We're going to build a very functional building. Uh, The campaign is going well. We're... We're at about fifteen and a half million on a twenty-five million dollar building, and we've got multiple gifts that are close to coming through fruition. Uh, I think we'll be somewhere, you know, eighteen, nineteen million by the end of the year. Uh, um, so we're we're within striking distance. And I, I I think the other thing that people don't fully understand because I do get this a lot. People go uh, NIL so much uh, more important. W- w- you know, can you repurpose this money to NIL? Well, th- the way the rules are right now, institutions cannot be involved in NIL. So uh, the the people that give to the Pirate Club for these projects, they're they're giving those funds for. Um, 
you know a project and they're also getting a tax write-off for this so we can't reappropriate those funds to go to nil and i know that's confusing for a lot of people but right now uh athletics the pirate club we're not allowed to give nil directly to our players really encouraged about the campaign um but and and i do think we'll be able to get there we, we still have some big commitments that that are coming through what about the people that say why not just build a practice bubble uh such and such school has a practice bubble it, it serves the purpose it gets you out of the elements and uh that's because the team can practice when it's lightning or whatever in a bubble so yeah. versus versus moving forward with as you said a, a functional 25 million dollar building yeah um so first uh according to our uh architect and people facility people on campus we can't go into a bubble during lightning so that that really is the first issue the the second issue i would say if you see bubbles and where our bubble would be it's probably not the most aesthetically pleasing looking you know facility uh but 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 certainly, I, I think those two factors, we want to be able to go in somewhere, you know, what, when it is lightning. Okay. And what about, so when do you think you will have this project completed and, and hopefully started? Is that, That's always the next timing thing. You feel like a lot more gifts are coming in? I, I, would, I would hope to be able to, uh, you know, announce the project formally by the end of 24, you, you know, would you know we still got some heavy lifting to do sure. on, on fundraising so it's really going to depend on the funding model uh but but we're talking constantly with individuals and uh i, I think the project's going to be a reality what about other uh complexes and athletic i know the baseball has, has some... baseball's going well uh w- w- you know we've had multiple we we redid our swimming locker room uh, we did the upgrades in Menji's that we we fully paid for the the uh, chairback seating and the lighting. Uh, we've got the indoor practice facility. We've got baseball that's going uh, very well. Uh, continue to get people that are interested in uh, in bringing that project uh, to fruition. Uh, then obviously our teams building what we need to uh, expand out there for our Olympic sports teams are really what is encompassing our capital campaign. You got a lot on your plate, but I'm sure your coaches and other people always continue to push. Is there another big like phase or wish list coming like in 2025, 2026? Or, or is it really, hey, look, this let's get this, the stuff we have going right now completed and started up out of the ground? Yeah, I really think the projects I just mentioned, they're kind of it for the capital campaign right now today. Now, I'm not saying that other things can't evolve uh, if a donor were to come forward and say, hey, we're, uh, we don't have field hockey, but we're really interested in the field hockey team. We'd like to do this. Uh, we're, we're open to doing those things. And, and some of those are, you know, from a funding standpoint. But the projects that we mentioned, I feel good about where those are and, and what we're driving for. And then I would say after that, we're going to be in a you know, remodeling and renovation mode on on everything. Well, that's what I was going to ask you next. Is there any kind of maintenance or remodeling plan for Dowdy Ficklin Stadium for for next year for 2024? I know it's a reseeding year, um, so I didn't know if there was any. You know, anytime wear and tear on a football stadium. Uh, y'all have done a great job with Minji's with the purple seats, the lighting, and other stuff. Is there things that Dowdy Ficklin Stadium needs before next season? Or hey, look, over the next few years, we need to have this in Dowdy Ficklin Stadium to make it a better place for fans to watch football games. Well, the 
the, uh, Dowdy Ficklin does need work, uh, but it's not anything that you're going to notice from an aesthetic standpoint. It's waterproofing and, you know, more maintenance items. And uh, it's a lot. Like, you know, we'll spend a lot of money on this. I, I think back to my time. Uh, at Tennessee where we would allocate half a million dollars a year to paint uh, the the underneath of the football stadium you, you know one section and you're basically painting one section all the way around and so uh, we, we have uh, you know we have some R&R that we need to do at Dowdy Ficklin that we're going to continue to work on to you know but it's not going to be something that you know you're going to notice it's going to be waterproofing and air conditioning units stuff you would notice if you don't do it that, I guess. that's right that's right so we're going to continue to to work on that army's coming in the conference uh, are you excited about that and of course mike oresco's leaving the conference uh, your opinion on on both those one coming in one going out what do you think well, well i i think commissioner oresco has done a wonderful job solidifying our uh tv contract and you know the biggest thing that i think he's done is he's been a national advocate for us and uh, he has did a, a excellent job of advocating for the league and its membership, and uh, he's certainly going to be missed. Uh, he's going to be in place till June one or until a successor's named. Uh, so, um, you know, hate it for him or hate it for us selfishly, but but happy for him as he goes into to some retirement and uh, you know spend time with uh, grandkids and that sort of thing. And then Army, uh, obviously, that's a really good addition. If you've ever been to West Point, it's a it's a great game day football experience. And uh, look forward to, to going up there. That would be a good donor trip for us to take. It's just, uh, you, you know, it, it's a great venue. I will say this person, I've been to Army three times, and it's probably the coolest place you can go watch a college football game. Navy is really cool, too, because of the, you know, you have the cadets. and But everything you have at Army up there off the Hudson River, it's it's a beautiful place, especially maybe we can get an early fall game in September or October yeah. against against Army. But if, if you have the means to go on a road game next year, put Army on your bucket list. It is very cool yeah no doubt it's uh lo- looking forward to to going up there and playing uh playing them how long uh, are we under contract with our current tv with the american do you know well it was a 10-year deal i i think we're probably at about year six or seven uh somewhere in there and we always ask you every time uh, we talk to you do you see more movement coming uh whether it be in or out with with the conference i i think you're gonna see that uh i think that if you're not in an autonomy league, uh, all the other non-autonomy schools they they want to live in a neighbor a different neighborhood. So I think you're going to see a, a little bit more shifting, uh, but I, I do think it will settle at some point. John, your name was mentioned uh, in a deposition with the, the Brett Favre case down in Mississippi. You'll be testifying that in January. I want to ask if you had any comment or anything to say on that right now. You know, uh, not, not something that I'll uh, talk about uh, at this time just because it's going through the legal system. But uh, certainly uh, at the right time, we'll, we'll uh, you know, say what, what I need to say and, and look forward to going down and, and uh getting that done absolutely uh, what is john gilbert looking forward to for christmas coming up over the next uh, weekend or so will you, will you get a few days to kick back relax maybe have some christmas candy and cookies yeah uh you know just looking forward time to uh getting a couple of days of, of no athletic events you know 
Uh, I love what I do. I can't imagine doing anything else, but it is uh, seven days a week. And, and to get a couple down days, uh, I'm, I'm going to try to, uh, you know, recharge during that time and looking forward to a new year and uh, watching the Pirates play this spring and, and uh, you know, look forward to some competitive wins on the field and on the court. Former Pirate Bryce Williams was in here yesterday. He had an important question he wanted to ask you if you have a fake tree or real tree is was what, what the public really wants to know. Yeah, I, uh, we, we've had a fake tree for a while. Uh, my wife, who is much smarter than I am, w- one year after Christmas, uh, we, we went and bought this expensive pre-lit fake tree for like... 75 percent off because mm-hmm. it was at christmas and so uh we've had that tree for for quite some time it it is uh paid off over and over so we're, we're on the uh fake pre-lit right now very good very good uh john just to circle back we hit on this i feel like uh at the beginning of the hour but brandon asking in the youtube chat what kind of advice can you give pirate nation to buy season tickets after a down year any references john david baker and uh turning this offense around but i'm sure you get that question or something similar to that so what is your uh, advice or message well well a couple things uh what one I, I think if you look at our players returning we had a top you know 35 to 40 defense in the country uh we, we played a very competitive uh brand of football uh the the changes that needed to be made on offense were making uh, i think uh you'll see that you know today and over the coming weeks you're going to see uh, you, you know, players and difference makers come into the program, and uh, you, you know, I, I think we're close. I, I think we've got to tweak some things, uh, but I don't look at this as a complete rebuild, and and that's what gives me the most encouragement, and that's what should give our fans the most encouragement. You know, we're we're not flipping our entire roster over. Uh, you know, we're making the necessary changes that need to be made. And uh, we're going to be back to our winning ways in short order. Yeah. I mean, for the first time ever, East Carolina has a real path to a playoff as well. So, I mean, (laughs) there's a reason to show up, uh, support the team, get some wins. And who knows, we could be there at the end of this thing. Yeah, absolutely. There's uh, definitely uh, there's a lot of potential for this team. And I think when people look at the schedule, uh, I would say look at it as being optimistic that you can get back in Dowdy Ficklin Stadium and and see a lot more wins, uh, hopefully more than obviously we saw this year. But uh, certainly I I feel like what's going on in the last few weeks has has set up the potential for a positive year in 2024. Yeah, I I think it. I would encourage everyone to to come out uh, whenever we announce our spring game, you you know, be the chance to first time to, to see all you know the the returning team and all the new players uh you know up close uh but it it should be an exciting uh spring football season john thanks for uh coming in appreciate uh, your time today i hope you have a merry christmas happy new year i'm sure we'll see you in Minji's coliseum a couple times between now and then but uh if not uh, we'll catch up with you after the first of the year and see how everything else is going that's great thanks for having me go pirates You've been listening to the Pirate Radio Podcast, an exclusive presentation of Pirate Radio, the voice of the Pirate Nation.